check. Okay, cool. Yeah, that's perfect. That works for me. All right. Doug, we're going to do a little bit of an intro. Intro. So hold your beer up to the mic. Hopefully it's not shaking up. <laughs> Three, two, one. Good pop. Good pop. Cheers. Sody pop. Ooh, Yummy. That's really good. Cody, Cody Wilkins, welcome to the Dead Sailor Podcast. Thanks for having me. You got to remember to talk into the microphone. Thank you for having me, Ty. <laughs> it's good to be here. Long yeah. time, long time in the works, I guess. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, kind of. Not really. You haven't been doing it that long, but <laughs> See, I've been, you're only episode four. Yeah, so. but I've been anxious to come hang out with you. So yeah, and I appreciate that. Um, you were just on a podcast. I was. Yeah, yeah. trail building podcast, uh, trail effect, which nice. is cool. It's like yeah. a trail company out of the Midwest, and I talked listened, a lot about trails. I listened to. I don't know if I got through all of it, but I listened to quite a bit of it. Um, yeah, that's a, it was pretty cool. Yeah. It's, Just uh, kind of talking about the history of like how you got started with census. Yeah. Which yeah. we will, or census retros, we'll which we it. will get into as well. Yeah. There's a lot to unpack there, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it was good. And it was good to talk about trails, talk about trails. I'm more of a trail salesman than I am <laughs> a trail builder these days. So, um, nice. I'm well, well rehearsed in a lot of the, the, what we need to talk about when it comes to building and throwing dirt around. So. Yeah. Um, well, f- before we get into all of that, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. For the people who might not know uh, who you are, who are you, Cody? I'm Cody Wilkins, uh, mountain biker, trail builder, uh, run a nonprofit for one of the baddest dudes in mountain biking, and we've been fortunate enough to do a bunch of really cool projects all over the world. And yeah, I'm rider and skier first, and kind of just fell into the job of being able to throw a shovel and uh, run an excavator for a living, which has been really cool the last few years. Nice. Where'd you get, where do you, where were you born? Where do you, where were you raised? Where'd you come from here? I'm from New York. I'm an upstate New Yorker. Yeah. 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 There's not a lot out West. There is actually a lot of in Bellingham, but you know, when people say New York or here in New York, they think New York city, but I'm from a town of like a hundred people in upstate New York, like three hours North, um, of the city. Um, Catskills, Lou Beach, New York, right down the road from uh, Platykill Bike Park, which is, if you know anything about Platykill, it's one of the most legendary bike parks of all time. <laughs> Super gnarly. But I learned to ski there and bike there. And um, yeah, just, we grew up racing BMX, my brother and I, and we just, like, we would ski at this tiny ski area every single weekend. And one spring, they were like, we need trail builders to come out and help. And I was probably like 12 years old. And my dad just dropped us off. And we started swinging pickaxes and cutting trees down and before you know it that was the place first place that ever drank a beer and smoked pot and <laughs> now here i am uh, you know almost 20 years later <laughs> smoking smoking pot and drinking beer still yeah with a history teacher from long island <laughs> amazing but it was really cool because you'd show up and you'd you'd build for the day and they'd stop building at two and they'd run the chairlifts from two to five so you get three hours of riding and then every day that you worked you'd get a race entry for later in the year for downhill and then you'd also get a ticket so if you worked like all the trail days you don't even need a season pass and all your race entries are paid for so my dad was stoked for that and then yeah just cool you'd meet like at the time it was like me I mean, not to even put myself in the same category as these guys, but it was like Richie Rude, Nico Malali, the Shaw brothers, like wow. Ray Siren. Like it was like the craziest, like it was almost discouraging racing because you do the best you could and you get like 10th place because like you'd have all these heavy hitters above you. Yeah. But, what, y- what year is this? I think I did my first like build and like downhill racing. 
in like probably 2004. Okay. Yeah, like a while ago. Yeah. Like, because I didn't grow up like I don't. I have a BMX ground from racing background, like from racing, but like I grew up in the middle of nowhere. So there's like no pavement. There's no skate parks. There was no dirt jumps except for like what I built. So like, I actually got into mountain biking super early, like super early. Like I was probably riding, like downhill, like 2003, 2004, which, which is pretty crazy to think about. Like I feel like most people, and yourself included, like you go through this like until you're 18 to 20, you're on a 20 inch or skating, mm-hmm. and then you kind of transition. But like we were, we were right into it. I think I only had like one or two BMX bikes really. Yeah. yeah. So. Well, I mean, if you li- if you like grow up or live somewhere where there is even remotely good mountain biking that makes a lot of sense yeah and the east coast is like i mean a lot of west coasters don't believe it when i say it but i think it's still some of the sickest riding in the world i'm becoming a believer i see a lot of footage and content coming from vermont upstate new york even new jersey you know like just killer right i mean so billy lewis yeah, no, Billy. Know, yeah, yeah. Um, Billy, he just got back from being out, out that way for a little while, and he was just like, dude, there are like, there's a bike park, like, they're 30, 40, an hour away from each other. Like, insane mountain bike parks with like killer trails and big jump lines. And they're all within driving distance from each other. And I I'm like, wow, that's. I think I counted one time, um, there's like, 26 within the six hour radius yeah, lift that's, access. That's insane. You know what it is? It's like out here we deal with like forest service um, yeah. and public land, which is great. Like we can get out on trails like anywhere. And I actually, our trail systems are more expansive and we can like go out on dirt bikes and horses and hiking and stuff like that. But it's all these family run ski resorts. So it's like our ski areas. So in the summer they're like, Oh, we need extra income. Let's just build trails. Like Platica, like they didn't even have a trail crew. They just were like, let's just build trails. And mm-hmm. it just, people just go break trails in. They, not even riders would just go like burn this stuff in. So it was kind of cool. It just like happened. And then one does it. And then the ski right down the road needs to compete. And then, you know, it's like between Mount snow and Mount St. Anne, like we're on everybody's radar, but then all those other smaller resorts kind of like residually just kind of fed off that. And yeah. then Highland really stepped it up. Like Highland, you oh, know, big time. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Like it's only 500 feet of vert, but it's so good. And when they built the jumps, the first like three years of Highland, I'll say right now, we're not that great. Like they, the jumps are just like, they just kind of went for it and it worked out really well in the long term. But the first few years, a little sketchy. And that's when like smooth talk and slim and like that, like badass like hardcore East coast, like chain reaction scene kind of mm-hmm. like went off. And those guys started like going ham and smooth talk still runs it. Um, and then all the other, um, resorts kind of had to follow suit. So it went from being like, okay, let's go race gnarly downhill in the snow and the mud every weekend to like, oh, we can have like proper jump lines that are better than any bike park I've ridden out west except for Whistler. Yeah. So, sorry, bike parks out west. Yeah. <laughs> you suck. Well, I mean, Washington <laughs> in general just has bad bike parks. I mean, it's, it seems like yeah. it's getting better. And there's just not a lot even. You know, I mean, what, two? Right? It's just two legit mountain bikes. So, Kwame just opened. In Stevens Pass. Ste- I don't even think Stevens is running anymore. No, I think Vale brought it back. Okay. I don't know if they back. did last season, but yeah. I think it was... Uh, they were intentionally... Or I think they... They got enough negative feedback from the public. Unfortunately, they literally had the bike park closed during the most important time to have the bike park open. It, it was gets during people COVID. It's, it's, it's just like bugs me. <laughs> like, they literally <laughs> closed the bike park down and said, oh, we, I mean, they had bullshit reasons. I, Vale just screwed it. Like they, they fucked up big time. But they, they finally got enough backlash from, I think, just the greater Seattle area saying like, 
bring the bike park back, bring the bike park back, bring the bike park back. That I think either they, I don't know if they had it open last summer, but I think it's opening again next Good summer. to know. I mean, we're really fortunate, as you know, here. Like, we don't really need a bike park, especially yeah. as, like, like, well, Galvi is essentially a bike. It's park. essentially a bike park, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and it's a sick bike park. But like, also like we can we can, we can pedal now. But I think just for the sake of like getting people into uh, trails, it's like into yeah. biking. It's like a really like, and also if you're a skier and you're like transitioning in like or a snowboarder, it's like climbing sucks. Like I like it, you know, now, but it took like 10, 15 years to like it, and so it's kind of cool that like you can go ride a beginner trail and like experience the best part about biking like yeah. right away, and then then you can work up to. To pedaling, yeah, you know, totally. and, and so I think that's why bike parks are important. I mean, on the flip side, you have like Silver. Have you been? To oh, Silver? yeah, oh, that place is so sick. Would never take a beginner there. No, <laughs> I rode their double black trail, and it was fucking scary. It's so <laughs> gnarly. I'm, I was I came in a little hot headed the first time I rode there. I was like, I can ride any double black trail at a bike park. Yeah, and I came around the first corner, like into this drop shoot section. I was like, I'm gonna look it, at this that, whole and trail. that's what it is. It's yeah. like. A, it's like a four foot drop into a rut filled with baby heads. Yeah, it's like something you'd find here out in the woods. Yeah, and, and you're like, what? This I I also went through so many tubes. I literally <laughs> blew like I had I changed like three tubes in one day. Arm pump and pop tires. <laughs> and then the the descent from Silver all the way back to the parking lot is so long. So good. I don't. Uh, I've only done a couple enduro races, but that's one where I'm like, I should probably go do this race. Yeah. Probably finish a solid last place. Yeah. <laughs> I know, and that I mean, I feel like that's like a just Silver in general is just like a. a a hidden gem that is just waiting to like blow up. Like, I feel like, like the access to everything is, is really good there. And the trails are really good. The skiing looks amazing. There's moto, there's snowmobile. The moto is really good there. I did a moto trip there this summer. That was like, yeah. Mind blowing. And then, and, and it's a, it's affordable. It's in, in the scheme of like, Mountain towns. Yeah, mountain yeah. town, resort town with access to all that kind of stuff. Like, you can still get a house at a decent price there. Yeah, it's cool. And Coeur d'Alene and Spokane have great riding. It's like um, Beacon Hill is really yeah. cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a bunch of stuff popping up in that corridor. You have, like, Legacy Bike Park, which is up on uh, Flathead Lake mm-hmm. by Kalispell. And that's, um, why am I blank on it? Uh, Terraflow Trails, Pete Costain. He's, like, a legendary backcountry skier, runs a trail company. His son's, like, a super badass pro big mountain skier mm-hmm. they just built like a coast gravity style park in the u.s and they've oh, had free ride events cool. they've put airbags in like uh mulch jumps proper jump line like they're like making something that's like people want it they're taking like that highland model of like no this is just a bike park good camping pump tracks like because you know you know like i mean we went up i saw you at whistler a couple times this summer it's like you go up there and it's fun it's whistler's always fun but like mm-hmm. It's not always fun sitting in an hour and a half bike park line or like riding like a line or like dirt merchant when it's like totally blown out. There's a lot of other places I'd rather ride than, than like Whistler in bad conditions on a crowded day. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's kind of cool that we have like, it's like, Oh, you want to go hit big jumps that are probably going to be better groomed than dirt merchant or a line on a given day. Like legacy is like right there. It's a little out there, but like, you know, we're back and forth between Wyoming a lot. So yeah. I go there like three or four times a summer. Yeah. So let's, let's go back onto yeah, that. Yeah. So you, yeah, yeah. you, you grew up on the East coast, <clears throat> yep. uh, got into mountain biking out there, got into trail building out there. Yep. Um, where, what brought you to the West coast? 
I did the classic East Coast, like went to the University of Vermont because I read a decline article that Dave Smutok had gone there. Mm-hmm. And it was like, like they used to do those little columns. It's like news and mountain biking. It was like Dave Smutok got his college, like college degree from the University of Vermont. And then I was at a race at Platakill and this van comes, there was a collegiate race there that weekend. And this van comes rolling. I was probably like 16 years old and like smoke bellowing out of it. Beer cans falling out of the door. And these kids in Rasta jerseys at the university of Vermont, like, like jerseys on get out. Like this is the collegiate team D one baby (laughs) division one downhill. And they showed up and they raced. And I was like the only, I wanted to go out West so bad because I was a skier first. I was like, I want to go to like, you know, like, uh, like uh, what's it, Western Colorado College, and mm-hmm. or like go to like somewhere Denver, just like somewhere I could just like ski, ski, ski. Yeah. And then I saw that I applied to the UVM, and I was there the next semester. Yeah. So. Well, did you join the collegiate team? Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 2007 or 2012 or no 2011, uh, I was the Eastern States slalom champ. Nice. Yeah, and got fifth at nationals. Nice. So that was the last. And then I swapped racing after that. Yeah. So I did two years there, but I actually finished school at Sierra Nevada College in Lake Tahoe because I had like, I was friends with like all these kids on the bike team that were older and I still like wanted to be a big mountain skier so bad. So they all moved to like Squaw Valley, now Palisades. And I was like, I'm just going to transfer schools, treat school like a job, work 40 hours a week, commute to school three days a week and just ski every day. So I lived there for two years um skied a ton biked a ton too but like mainly i was like i want to compete in the fwq the fwq then i moved to jackson for four years nice nice that's awesome yeah and then when you were in jackson were you just what were you doing while you were in jackson uh working and digging i've done so many jobs (laughs) i've been like i've worked i worked in restaurants for 13 years straight but i've dishwashed delivered pizzas uh done sheetrock uh Frame, Did you just move there houses. to ride bikes? No, I moved to Jackson to ski. Nah. Um, I was still like super focused on skiing and that's just like the place to do yeah. it. And I, I kind of slowly got back into biking. I had, I blew my knee twice in the time I was there, had a couple close buddies pass away skiing or in like speed flying accidents. And then I got caught in a, uh, an avalanche as well. And then I was like, after that, I was like, oh, like what are my priorities here? And I was like, maybe I should revisit biking. Mm-hmm. And I kept emailing like the fest guys. I was like, I know I can get your jumps. Can I come in? Never, never got an email back. <laughs> of course not. Of course not. <laughs> but I like, I was like, please, please, please. And I, so for years I would like send emails every single spring. I would like the one in Norway you can, anybody can go do. And I was like saving up to go to Norway. And then I got wind that Cam was going to hold one, that like Zinc was going to hold one in Reno. Mm-hmm. And this kid, Ray Siren, that I grew up riding and racing with on the East Coast was like working at YT and Census. And I was just like, yo, Ray, if I come dig for free for a year, do you think Cam will let me ride in the event? And he was like, instantly was like, hell yeah, get your ass to Reno. (laughs) So I moved to Tahoe, back to Tahoe for a year and worked in a restaurant, um, went up to Alaska for summer to fish. And then I came back, but like every single day off, I was just like on Cam's property digging, like sometimes till like one or two in the morning for Mm -hmm. free. And I finally got to ride in his event. It wasn't a, ended up being like an official fest event because they have all this weird politics and stuff. But um, he just was like, anybody wanted to dig? It was actually really cool because you had like the baddest dudes in the world and then all these like young guns who just like put in the time digging. And I was like, after that, I was like, maybe I should just start my own trail company, like getting a little burnt out. And he was like, dude, don't do that. Like I started a nonprofit like a few years ago. I don't really have a ton of time to run it. Like you should just run with that like it's i'm not trying to make money off of it like i just want to get it going yeah and so from that point on we were just like 
yeah, that's when we started Rad Trails, like, officially, and that was, like, 2017. Yeah. So, I think... Was, was that like around right, the time that you moved to Bellingham? That was, like, right after... So, I, that yeah. event happened, and then we didn't love living in Tahoe, so yeah. we're just, like... And I had a bunch of friends up here, like, Caldwell and uh, Ann and Sam and yeah. that crew, mm-hmm. and Greg Townsend, so I was, like, let's just move to Bellingham. It's kind of nice. It's kind of like we're a uh, ski town, uh, like, dwellers come to retire. I know. <laughs> yeah. It's so funny how all of you guys are so... Like, you guys have so much history from the East Coast, from, like, Vermont and being, like, in that area together. And you're all here now. And you're all, like, still... Like, well, if you friends. if you look at the numbers, um, everybody is, like, a little bit older than the last. So, uh-huh. like, Caldwell was, like, one of the guys that I followed out. But called Sam and Ann are then, like, a year younger than them. And mm-hmm. then I'm two years younger than Sam and Ann. So, like, what happens is you have your East Coast, like, ski buddy or bike buddy move mm-hmm. out west. And then you're like, man where can I go live? And then they have a couch for you to stay on. They got a job lined up for you. And so it's like, before you know it, you're like, you're just stacking and stacking and stacking. But I got out of there too early. So I don't have my little protege Mm -hmm. until my brother graduated high school and said, fuck it to college. And now he's digging trails for us. Heck yeah. yeah. Is he, does he live here now? No, he lives in Reno. Oh, okay. Yeah. So like we're full time out of Reno. Like I I like Reno Tahoe and I spend a lot of time there. Um, But I just don't like the dry. I, I just like living in like a community like this. I like, love being by the ocean it's like my favorite and then just like also being removed from work when i'm home like i work quite a bit when i'm home a lot of computer stuff but it's like i come home to bellingham and it's like it's kind of like a reset because when i'm on the road it's like i love traveling and i love building but it's like i'm on the road a lot so i try to bust out the work like i'll work 10 12 hours a day sure just so i can get home quicker yeah yeah i can imagine when you are like if you live in reno where census rad trails is based out of Mm -hmm. like you could probably never really disconnect right when you have that time off yeah and it's kind of like i also knew from the get-go i was like okay like building trail is cool like how long can i physically do it Mm -hmm. right like i see my dad who's like he's in great shape he's still a carpenter and it's like but i'm like i don't want to be like limping around swinging a pickaxe like dragging rocks around and I think like my strength is actually the business side of trail building. Like, yeah. you know, like the, there's builders here in the woods that have moss growing on their backs that are probably the sickest trail builders in the world. Mm-hmm. But like, do they want to come hang out at a city council meeting with me for two hours? No. Like, I think you either go one way or the other. You go the yeah. Eric Brown of the WMBC exactly. route, yeah. which is that, <laughs> or you go the Todd Zimmerman route, which yeah. I can't wait to have those two guys on this podcast. Those that's going to be a really And awesome that'll be one. cool. And I think that's a good perspective because it's like, and so I'm trying to find this balance of like, how do we get the baddest fucking trail builders in the world? But like have that business like level on it. Like right. I, so yeah. you are essentially bridging the gap, right? You're yeah. going, you're going, I'm not the one like you're the one that is gonna employ the Todd Zimmermans of the world and give them the 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 canvas to paint on, right? And then they get to build whatever crazy shit they want to build yep. and you just do the dirty work for them. Right. Yeah. And it, it is kind of fun. I still love being in the excavator, but now it's like, I kind of hand to like hand pick the projects I'm on, which is kind of nice. Like I was just down in Mexico helping Johnny build the free ride Fiesta course. And oh, then, yeah. um, like Jackson hole, I love that place. And when I was there, I wanted more riding. I wanted bigger jumps. So it's like, we finally got the contract to build like a big jump line there, like a, a zinc signature line, which is coming together. It's proper. It's like, mohawk meets blue steel like nice. really really sick cool. and so it's gonna be like somewhat technical but yeah like that was big. the thing like we didn't want to just build like oh they're 40 50 foot jumps yeah. like big mellow lips straight tabletops it's like we wanted it to feel like 
I wanted like to feel like you're riding dirt jumps, yeah. but you could be on a downhill bike, trail bike, 29er. Like we put in a big cannon boner mm-hmm. log thing. Like, you know, it's, it's very techy. Like I want like the stuff you see from Europe meets yeah. like the trail backwards trails, like meets like natural selection. Yeah. And that's uh-huh. kind of like Jackson. And we work with their bike park crew, like, yeah. cause we're small and I know how rad those guys are and, and girls on their team. So like when we come in, we're like, let's work with you guys. So yeah. we'll have like three machines running and it'll be like two of our guys, you know, two of them and we're swapping handwork and stuff. So I, I, I'm like personally connected to that. Like I'd rather spend my summers here than Jackson, but it's like, I talked so much shit when I was there, like being like, we need more trails. We need more trails. So it's like, it would be a kick in the shins to younger me if I wasn't the one there digging and yeah. facilitating that. Yeah. So, yeah, which is cool. That's, That's sweet. A, yeah. It's really fun. Yeah. So you moved here in what you said, like 2017 or so. Yeah. Maybe 2018. I yeah. forget. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and since then you are like, well, I just noticed you have done a lot of traveling. Yes. I bet you have, a, I bet you have some air miles. <laughs> I have some serious miles actually. Yeah. It's crazy. And it's like uh, for work too. I only fly out of Bellingham because it's Alaska only. So yeah. I stack Alaska yeah. miles. Nice. Yeah. Um, so most like, where are you doing a lot of your trail building? Like, is it nationwide or are you condensed mostly to like West coast stuff? No, we're all over the place. I, I think like at first we were so desperate to get things going that I was like, anybody who's got a trail, like we'll build it. And so, and it kind of turned into like, I think <clears throat> the first full-time year we did like Florida, Missouri, um, Mexico, Nevada, Idaho. Uh, we did some consulting in Colombia <laughs> in Medellin, like, wow. And it was cool. Cause then, and I think like what we realized is that like we have, there's a ton of successful trail companies right now. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, for-profit, non-profit, you know, both doing, they're all doing amazing things, mm-hmm. but they're very regionally based. Yeah, sure. And you know, like we could kind of do that in Tahoe, but it's a pretty established scene. So it's like, we couldn't be the nonprofit. The biggest little trail stewardship does an amazing job. Tamba, uh, Tahoe area mountain bike association does a, a, a phenomenal job. So there wasn't room for us to be like the local nonprofit. So we're like, how can we be like the, the, like the continents or like the world's local nonprofit? Yeah. So like, that's the big thing with us. It's like, well, I'll get somebody like a kid in Phoenix hit me up and he's like, Hey, like I want to do a pump track for my high school project. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, like I know you don't have any money, but like I'll sit down with them on zoom and stuff and be like, you need to do this. And I'll, t- you know, run yeah. them through the steps on our yeah. own time. Because yeah. like for us, like that gets a trail built, you know, sure. or like, um, we have a couple projects where the grant money's there, but they don't have a nonprofit to filter it through. So like, we'll actually forego our chance to bid on a project and let that grant money like come through us just so they can even just get some tools or whatever going just so the money just like, cause if the money doesn't come initially, it'll never come again. Yeah. And then there's other projects where it's like my mom's hometown in Minnesota was our big project this year, town of 2,500 people. And we built like seven miles of like flowy cross country trail and a little jump park, which That's is awesome. really cool. And that one, I went to bid on it, stayed with my grandma. It was like, it was a lot of work, but I, I was in Minnesota for a long time, but it was like, it was cool because as much as I love going and building 60 foot jumps for Johnny Salito in Mexico and drinking micheladas, honestly, it's like more important to the bike world to like have a small town, get some berms and some jumps because there's a lot of good builders there that can show up and build some amazing cross country trails. But I told him, I was like, if we want to like make these trails, like for everybody, we need jumps. Like kids aren't going to come ride cross country trails. So we built a bunch of jumps, a little jump park, some rock rolls, some stuff that's like, 
if and we saw it like we weren't even done and there's like these kids showing up no helmets and so we started giving them helmets and i bought a bunch of bikes from the local bike shop just to live at the shop so mm-hmm. kids can like or adults can be like i want to try mountain biking you can go there grab a helmet and a bike and just go ride for free yeah. God, and that's I, amazing and i put i bought him full price because the shop was like oh you up this is a great idea but like he's also trying to sell bikes in this yeah. small town right so i like we try to do stuff like that because like those projects it's like i grew up in a small low-income town like mm-hmm. i know how important bikes were for me so like if we can get these kids on bikes at least try it and they like it then they can get a job travel around do whatever they want become obsessed and be you know broke bike bombs like you and i for the rest yeah. of our lives right or like they don't like it and that's fine yeah but I, I just like wanted that so bad so it's like it's important to know how to build a 60 foot jump but on the flip side i think it's more important to like sell a 10 foot tabletop to a city yeah like as far as like biking goes yeah that's super cool it's almost it, it like just kind of hearing about like all of that reminds me a lot of like the tony hawk skate park foundation dude we base this so we listen to so many nine clubs like based on that yeah. like he's our hero for that yeah because i mean he he started and i don't know if cam's like i'm i'm not sure if cam started with like his personal money or if it was like a census funded thing to start it either way you know it's a res- coming from a resource like that to get the foundation going and that's a lot like the tony hawk foundation like it was like he started it from you know it, it was it was a it was an Activision check I think is what he said in the Nine Club. He's like, yeah, that's actually that first check I got from Activision for the whatever when the game went greatest hits or whatever. Um, that was what funded the the Tony Hawk Foundation. And I remember when I was a kid trying to utilize that channel to get a park built in our town, and our town was tiny, dude. It was a yeah. farm town, you yeah, know. Yeah. We never really were able to. We didn't have anybody to help coach us through that process so it never really happened right because we even don't really know where to begin you know we apply and then it's like oh well we need you know there's a lot of so much bureaucracy red tape that you got to work around you know explain to a 50 year old guy on a city council that's never touched a skateboard or a bike in his life what it like the importance of it you know that's a hard town that's already strapped for like a shitload of cash trying to say oh you should put this infrastructure in they're like what skateboarders are a bunch of hooligans yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. but good hooligans <laughs> <laughs> you know like but uh, like in the bike like in the 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 uh, in the bike world i feel like bicycles maybe maybe not maybe it's different nowadays but and probably is very much different nowadays but the the world of but i feel like bikes are a lot easier of a sell it's less of like a we're grinding on your rails and grinding on you know, it's, it's, there's no age limit, private property or whatever. Like I, I like to say it's like taking skiing and skateboarding and like kind of meeting in the yeah. middle. Like, mm-hmm. and there's a, the trouble with biking that we're finding, there's a really high initial like upfront cost. Oh yeah. Big and that, time. which sucks. And that, yeah. I think there's some companies that are doing some cool stuff, but if you actually add it up, like skateboarding is the only sport, maybe BMX, that's like cheaper. Yeah. Skateboarding, you can get a complete skateboard you're in for a hundred bucks yeah, $100. and then you're and then you're buying a 50 dollars deck a year yeah. you know if you're breaking it yeah. you know and yeah. you can your trucks and, and bearings will last forever but the thing with biking is that like it's an easier family sell you know it's like a you know it has a cleaner cut image like unfortunately like i think you probably attested this i want biking to be like really inclusive and friendly and this like family model but i don't want it to be like skiing where it's like this like catalog you like bullshit where Mm -hmm. it's like a real estate thing like Mm -hmm. families on vacation biking like i think there's a good medium where it's like if we can get you can get a family on a bike it can be a casual outdoor experience 
really the investment, I know it's a lot of money, but like you buy a bike, it's good for a few years. You don't need to do much and you can go out your door and it's free to use after that mm-hmm. point. So it's kind of like this medium of like those two. So cities are, I mean, like the state of Minnesota, they have this thing called the legacy grant and seven eighths percentage, um, uh, sales tax. And a third of it goes to fishing game, third of it goes to the arts, and a third of it goes to trail access. Wow. So they're pumping millions into trails. And you go there. I tell everybody I know that works at bike companies, I was like, if you're not focusing on the Midwest demographic and the Southeast, you're missing the market. Mm-hmm. Like those guys, I would go every single weekend, the parking lot's completely filled. Mm-hmm. Like at Cuyuna, at, up in Duluth, Minnesota, badass trails so sick and everything from fat bikes to like you know your twelve thousand dollar s works frames you know everything in the middle but it's so casual no one's wearing like fancy gear everybody's super friendly there's beers on it it's like galbraith or here like some of the illegal trails but no one's like grilling you from afar because like i'm a pretty outgoing east coaster and that was one thing that bums me about bellingham still it's like i work in the bike industry i have friends in the bike industry and it's like I still don't always feel like part of the community here. Like no one's like actively reaching out all the time. And that's like bums me out because it's like I'll go up to people in parking lots all the time and chat with them and like talk their ear off and get them all fired up. But like for me in Bellingham, it's like, you know, I mean, you know where I'm talking about. You go to certain zones here. I'm like, I've been coming here for six years. I've offered to help dig. I brought you beers and you guys still hate me. Like, get the fuck out of here. Like, I'm so over that. Like, I I do think it's a generational thing because um, uh, Doug, Doug over here, <laughs> he's uh, behind the scenes here. Doug, when I had Doug on, we talked about um, the uh, uh, like the younger generation. When when we went to the atmospheric river rats video okay, yeah. premiere, at, at <clears throat> those kids, those kids are rad. There was an entire group of people uh, that were there that I had no idea existed in this community yeah and they the it it the vibe from that like the 21 to whatever you know the early to mid 20s crowd is more like hey we're shredding we're having fun we're we're having a good time at least from what i've observed yeah, right yeah. i think the it's it's the the guys that are our age guys and girls that are our age probably mostly guys guys are just dicks yeah uh, that, that uh you know are are in their 35 to 40 you know in their 40s and they're just like this is my town this yeah. is my trail too many people like, on the yeah, trail <laughs> fucking seattleites you know um you know that that i think that vibe and that energy comes from our generation which you know and i, I don't really know why people are like that the way they i are, think but. people need something to be passionate about and sometimes it's like being territorial and you know and like not to say like they put so much work into the trails i mean mm. you know you and i know like there's the sickest trails in the world mm-hmm. exists out our door. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, I get it. And there is reason to be protective of it. But like, if you already know about it or you knew the four turns up the dirt road and which gate to go around to get to the trail and you bump into somebody out there, like, you mm-hmm. know, it's, you know, you can let it slide a little bit. Yeah. And like, you know, it's, I, it's just one of those but things. But even on Galby, like, like, oh I'm my sorry. God, yeah. Galby is a public <laughs> mountain bike. It, there's, it's no secret. It's no, there's no secret about <laughs> Galby. Like, don't be so upset about people coming to ride Galby. Like you can let it go. You know, I, I totally get it for a trail that you built, you know, out in the County somewhere. And you're like, man, I spent two years building this trail and now and there's brake bumps on it. Yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> but you're right. Like I, that, I, I that younger generation's rad. I mean like Talos, man, like uh, that kid is yeah. like, 
the nicest kid in the world. Yeah, totally. And it's funny because I actually met him down in Mexico last year for the first time. And, like, he's he was, like, my end of that younger crew. And I was like, oh, like, these kids are rad. They're mm-hmm. just stoked. And then uh, his filmer, Evan, mm-hmm. was super rad, too. And, like, Spencer. Like, yeah. I've only, like, Talos I've worked with the most in Evan, too. I got him down to Cam's event this year. I let him. Same thing for me. I was like, he wanted to go so bad. I was like, if you go dig, you can go ride, yeah. man. And yeah. he was like, he just they just camp there and dug every day. Yeah. Okay. I was like, what kind of groms you send down here? And I was like, trust me, trust me. And then he like saw him ride. He's like, holy shit. He's the real deal. Yeah. He's like the Talos sickest. is on a upward trajectory. He, it, it's so impressive. And it was so funny talking to him about his, um, on, on when he, he was on the podcast talking about like him learning tricks. He talks like it's like 10 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> but really it was like a year ago or two years ago. Cause I remember seeing him up at like the jumps all the time and like he was always good, but like yeah. I, w- I wasn't like, I wouldn't watch him and be like, that kid's going to be like the dude, like going to be placing at proving grounds. Mm-hmm. And then like, yeah, it was like last year I, I watched him ride at Johnny's event. He'd like hit something. I was like, damn dude, like no one else has really done that on this course. And it's like the biggest, heaviest hitters in the world. Like even all the Frenchies, like the best free riders in the world right now are like cruising you know, like cruising through and he did something that was like on par with like William Robert. And you're like, Oh, that yeah. kid is legit. Yeah. And he's just a nice kid. Like, I, I, th- I think that was a sick thing when I first start, started chatting with him, I was like, Oh, you're just like generally a good dude, which is like, it's tough because I feel like you got to be on edge when you're like that good. And especially if you like want to be competitive, but there's a bunch of kids like that. Like we have, um, like if Talos ever wants to dig, I like, cause I know he's like trying to make it. So I try to give him flexible work when we have it. So he's dug for us a little bit. And then this other kid, Luke Whitlock, is really sick, mm, too. I follow. He, did he ride for KHS? He still is on KHS, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so he's, same deal. Like, he's, like, trying to make it work. Um, you know, and, it, you know, I was talking to, like, uh, Greg Watts works, works for us now, too. Mm. So we have, like, this, like, kind of collective. It's like, I'm the worst mountain biker of all of our builders, you know, <laughs> which is a good problem to have. But, like, <laughs> I was talking to Greg about it, and he's like, yeah, these guys, like, when I was their age, like, I could buy a house with, like, the contracts we were getting. And so it's kind of a bummer that, like, Luke and Dallas can ride at those levels. And the, and the industry has just changed. It's nobody's fault, really. It's just, like, you know, with social media, and, like, there's way more riders but for me, I'm like, okay, it's like, you want to work all winter, you know, we can pay well to come make a little extra money. And then if you ever need to go to an event or whatever, like you don't even have to ask for it. Just let me know when the event is and just go and take it. Yeah. And I kind of want to work up to it where we could act as like, not just a nonprofit for like getting kids on bikes, but like supporting those like younger kids that like, just to kind of put them in the right direction where it's like, if Talisha Luke are working for us and they're like, oh man, like. I don't have a travel budget this year, but I really wanted to like, I got invited to go to this event be like, okay, cool, man. Like we'll buy your plane ticket over there. Yeah. Like, cause I feel like that's a good way for like, it's good advertising for us, but you know, just in general, it's like, that's a cool way to like give back to the community because it's, you're not going to get a hundred thousand dollar frame deal, right. you know, as a 22 right. year old, you yeah. know, unless you're winning, unless you're a meal, you know? Yeah. Right. 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 <laughs> so, uh, let's talk about your riding for a second. Um, you, it's, it's really interesting kind of like seeing your focus is predominantly on like full length production pieces, right? Like you do these movies down to, you go to like Mexico and a fish, a fishing mountain biking trip, you know, or you're, you're kind of like, like making like very, uh, pointed efforts to make like a, a, a longer, more in depth piece. What what drove you to that aspect of content creation? Um, you know, I think it was like Dan Abrams from who owns Flylo gear. Mm-hmm. I've, I've skied for him for a while and now bike for him. <clears throat> and he's been just like an insane mentor. And he kind of said it. He's like, 
He's like, you know, like we sell products to, you know, like, yeah, I want to see you guys doing double backflips and hucking huge cliffs on skis and bikes and you doing insane shit on your bike. But that doesn't always sell. So he's like, when you're thinking of like the creative process, like think of like cool storylines, think of like cool adventures. And it, it just so happened. I was like coming off a couple injuries at that point <clears throat> that they were talking about the Baja lines video. Yeah. And I was like, man, like this is a sick idea. Like I know like the claw and like those guys tried to do it for a new world disorder, go to Baja, live off a boat and do that. But I was like, how can we like, like not like get non-endemic support for a video? Cause if right. we're getting non-endemic support, that means it's going to have non-endemic distribution and now, like, we're reaching the first-time rider. Yeah. So, like, you might have the sickest edit of all time go up on Pink Bike. It's gone off the front page in a day. Yeah. It gets 10,000 views, 20,000 right. views. Like, that's awesome. You're not really selling that many bikes unless you're a Brett Reader or a Tom Van Seenberg or, like, you know, like, one of the top, top dogs putting out this insane footage. But if, like, we go down to Mexico for a month, like go offshore fishing for marlin, like camp on beaches and like ride free lines that like end in the ocean. Like it's still a high level of riding, but first of all, I don't need to kill myself. And second of all, like a fly fisherman might see that and be like, what the fuck are these guys doing? Yeah. And then it You're kind bridging of bridging two worlds, bridging like, two yeah. worlds. And then on that topic, like we kind of like straight away from that with the subsistence stuff we do. So we do like one episode a year. We've done one in Colorado. We did one here. Our Wyoming episode drops in the spring. My buddy Alex Che and I do it. Um, and we're fundraising for either Alaska or South America currently. Mm -hmm. um, but I was like, where should we distribute it? And we ended up putting up on outside TV. And a lot of people are hating on outside TV right now. It's like, we have almost a quarter million views on our stuff, yeah. you know? Cause it's like people go on that. You go on to smart TV and it's like trending. So it's like, it's just kind of being smart. It's like thinking yeah. like a marketer or like, a, you know, from a production standpoint, it's like, I would love to like go out there and show that I can still do tricks and stuff like mm -hmm. that. And, I'm working on trying to shoot an edit like that now here in town. But like, as far as like getting money and like producing something, it's kind of cool to look back on that and like have this adventure component and just like know that you're like reaching eyes that like would never see biking Yeah. because like the visuals on like the last subsistence miles and I did like, it wasn't the best riding we've ever done like him and I, and it was on trails that like, <clears throat> you know, we built half of them and the rest were already built, but it's nothing Nothing crazy. Yeah. But if you watch that as a non-mountain biker and you like see the rock rolls and the scenery of the, the P&W and, and the yeah, moss and yeah, like yeah. the wet and like camping in vans, then you like think about that. You're like, I want to do that. Yeah. And totally. that's super accessible. Yeah. And if you live in Seattle, you're like, oh, that's like right up the road. Like Orcas is literally a day trip right. for me. Right. And so it's like, how do we like tap into that? In the Wyoming episode, we did the same thing. There's so much footage from Teton Pass and so much footage from the resort that we just were like, let's not shoot a second of trail like from those places. So like, you'll see when it comes out, it's like people are going to see that and their gears are going to be running. Like, Where the hell in Wyoming is that? Mm -hmm. And so it's just like thinking outside the box. And also like, I'm just getting like, I don't want to get hurt. I'm like eight surgeries deep right now at yeah. 30. Like, I don't want to like go out and try I do want to learn flares, but I don't want to like go like <laughs> do six of them in a row and break my other collarbone. You yeah. know, it's like, I'm still dealing with the metal in my current collarbone. Yeah. It's a pain, it's a pain in the ass. So. No, that's cool. And the other thing too, I think it's uh, unique about like your approach is you're, you're actively going for like sponsorships that are not the bike world, like the fat, uh, fat tire. Yeah. And they're just the sickest company. Like they just want like, um, the Tyler Weedy, the guy, like huge shout out to that guy. I mean, he supports like the approach film that Ann does. And like, I mean, he's the coolest guy surfing, but he's always saying that too. He's like, he's like, we're not an energy drink company. We're not like buying your helmet. He's like, 
make me want to do what you're doing. Yeah. Whether it's a surf contest, a ski contest, a, you know, make me jealous of what you're doing to the point where I associate fat tire beer with like doing that. And so it's like good advice along the way. We still spend money out of pocket. Like I think I spent 42, $4,267 last year out of pocket to produce like those two videos. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's hard to get that deficit, but I'm okay doing it. Cause we're just like on a roll with it. So yeah. it's like, and those companies that help us like, they have no reason to like, they get stuff out of it, but really it's like, cause they're not th- sending their filmers. Like I hire the filmers out of it. Like I do everything with my buddy Alex. And so it's like the two of us are just like, it goes through my LLC that I use for being an athlete and for trail building. And then it goes out into that. So it's like, we're paying taxes on it. We're like, you know, trying to make a cent here and there. But I also like, if we're getting a guy who films for TGR, like mm-hmm. I want to make sure that like he has a good experience when he's out here and yeah. like we could take him out to dinner and like treat him right. So it adds up, but it, it's just cool to like step away because so many athletes, I think these days, like just expect that stuff to happen when they're like, Oh, I want to be a pro athlete. I want to talk to these brands, but like, man, the emails and it's like, I added up my hours from dealing with brands two years ago. Like the first year I ever got like paid to ride my bike you know, it wasn't that much money, but I was like, I got paid less than minimum wage for like essentially like a marketing role at a company, mm, right? you know, and even though it's for five companies broken up, you're like, okay, so I'm making $11 an hour working for all these brands as a marketing agent. And it's like, that's not that good of a wage, no. you know? So you have to kind of be like, you have to put the effort in. And a lot of people don't realize yeah. that. And you just got to do it. If no one else is going to call you to like, I was on the injured reserve list for a couple like KGB who did that Baja lines video. Um, I was, when I was still trying to make it as a skier, I was on their injured list for like this national park movie that did really well. And I was on the email and I was just, you know, it sucks to say, but I was like, please someone blow their knee. Like I get like, this is my shot, man. This is my fucking shot. Was that well, the video? I'm sorry to interrupt. Was yeah. that the video that Eric Porter rode mountain bikes in? No, this oh, okay. was, um, a full ski movie, ski movie but it was, okay. um, they yeah. ski like all the national parks. So they skied like Yosemite glacier national park, Yellowstone national park. My bu- good buddy Connery is in it. And it's like, it was really sick, but I just remember that was my first chance where I was like, am I going to make it? And then I also realized I was like, no one's going to do this for me. So it's like with, when we want, came up with that idea for bottle lines, I called up KGB. I was like, do you guys want to do this? Like help me fundraise. And it's like, you just have to do it, you know? Yeah. So it's, I, I feel like a lot of people just don't like, they're waiting for a call and it's not the ski movies of 15 years ago. No one's going to call you and invite you anywhere. You know, you got to just do it yourself. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know who I, I, who may, who I think of immediately, you know, the approach that you're taking, um, is, at, uh, oh my gosh, why can't I think of him? Doug, <laughs> who is the, uh, who's the content creator that rides for Yeti? Joey Schusler. Schusler. Yeah. That's it. Race collegiate with him. <laughs> Thank you, Doug. <laughs> uh, the Joy Schusler, he is yeah. like the epitome of that sort yeah. of mentality. He does a lot better job at it than I do. But I mean, yeah, I mean, he's also uh, a very talented cinematographer and see, I don't have those skills. Like he's he's kind of got a crazy history and track track record. And he was fast as shit on a downhill bike. Yes, that, he won collegiate nationals the year I got fifth. Like he is badass. He rode on the Yeti team as a junior. With like uh, that Kevin Aiello and Gwyn was the pro rider. Jerry Gray, like he was in that realm of like, I think he might have even raced a couple World Cups as an elite. Like, you know, you see him as for this adventure stuff, and like as a rider, you're not like necessarily impressed with the riding. You're impressed with like the overall of it, but like his base skills are badass. You know, mm-hmm. so it's like I want to be able to still go out and do a big ass backflip 
or like, you know, hit a big ass drop. That's scary. Mm -hmm. But it's like, I don't need to, to like get eyes on it. And it, I don't know, but that's my weakness too. I'm terrible with tech stuff. Like if I could film and edit myself, I'd save myself so much money. We could put out way more content. We'd be way sicker, but I just have given up on that. I'd rather be a good excavator operator than that. Yeah. But. Yeah. Running a machine like an excavation or an excavator is, uh, just like operating a camera. Yeah. Except like with an excavator, I break everything around me, but with a camera, I just break the camera. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so Back to kind of like some of those projects. Do you have, I mean, you have that uh, series that you're working on. Yep. What is, and so that's subsistence. Subsistence, yeah. yep. Um, how many episodes does that entail? So we do, the original plan was to do two in a year or three in a year. And then um, we just realized with funding and stuff, um, we we're pretty delusional with like how much that actually costs, you know, just to pay people fairly and, and just timelines of weather and uh, my best friend Alex who I work with you know as a kid now mm-hmm. he just had a kid this past spring so it's like really tough to like dial in all that um so we try to do one episode a year and then every year we get a little bit more support so we can kind of like expand it like this year like we finally got good support to like buy some really good music rights um and we've had so like there's like this snowboard film culture like that comes out of Vermont and ski culture that's like super powerful and it's like they've all kind of like just jumped into the mountain bike realm so we have a lot of friends that like have like work for Burton have like done production pieces like you know our music producers like so we ha- we have all these kind of like ins that we're like you know like we're asking favors constantly mm-hmm. but we're allowing to like build up this like network of really cool production so we got this guy uh Quillian Killian uh I don't know his name I've never met him but I've been emailing with him he's a friend of a friend he does a lot of the music stuff for Burton he's like helping us with like music rights for this next one and he got like this soundtrack and I was like man like we should have gotten this like on our first episode for the price he's given to us. It's, in, it's incredible. And it's going to make this piece so much better. So like the next one, it's like, okay, now we know that this is our guy. So is he going, is he like go actively contacting a, a record label or somebody and saying, and, yes, and negotiating. So he prices. does a lot of, uh, he does like some music festivals and stuff. And then he kind of like, he's like, okay, what's your budget? And mm-hmm. including paying me. Mm-hmm. And we're like, okay, so it's like X amount of dollars. And then he'll send us a Spotify playlist and mm-hmm. we'll have like 30 songs. And he's like, listen to this. I've watched a bunch of your videos, you know, from this series and other series. Like, this is what I think works. Mm-hmm. And so we've pulled like a few selects from it. And our editor, Charlotte, is like, this is awesome. Like, this is makes it my job so much easier. And it's something from the get-go. We're like, we'll pay the filmer. We'll buy a ton of beer. Like, we'll go somewhere sick. And then it's like, we're out of money by the end. And we have to get, like, some generic song for 10 bucks. But now it's like, it's like, okay, maybe we put, like, a third of it towards the music. Because that actually kind of makes it. And then, like, we'll pay the filmer really well. And maybe when we do that big dinner at the end, like, I'll pay for that out of pocket. You know? Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like that learning experience. But then the brands also are, like, seeing us get better at it as well. So it's like, like, Flylo has, like, been so supportive. Like, which is really cool. Um, and then same thing with Fat Tire and then Cetus and Banshee and all these brands have kind of like hopped right on, which is really cool. So yeah. we've been really fortunate, like just hopefully gaining momentum and, and really it's just an excuse for us to do like cool shit. Yeah. You know, like I want to go down to South America really bad. And then I also want to fly in on a bush plane and, and do some free riding stuff up in Alaska. Oh, that'd be sick. It'd be cool. It'd be like one off. I want to like take the ferry up before they decommission it out of Bellingham with like all of our gear um, we know a couple guides up there and just go ham and like, kind of like what they just did for that free hub piece. But I want to be more like, 
you know, not to discredit mountain bikers, but as a skier, like, you know, we can put up with tougher conditions than like a bunch of like mountain bikers riding in cotton t-shirts. So I'm hoping to like go out and camp in like some badass locations and like hike some big lines and, and kind of do it like a, like you would like a ski trip. Yeah. So, that's awesome. But it's going to take like twice as much as what we're, you know, so we're working on it. Yeah. So, yeah, but I'd pay for that out of pocket too, just for that experience. Yeah. So that's cool. So other than that, do you have any other projects that you want to like attack in the next i don't know i think i think that'll take a lot of effort um and then just like focusing on building and stuff cam's made a good point he wants to do more media and storylines around like the good stuff we do with the nonprofit. which it's tough for me it's like from a business perspective it's you can get a lot of criticism especially when you're getting big contracts of like oh it's a nonprofit, you're making all this money but like i think people just don't realize how much it takes to like do construction and so yeah. like i mean as long as the, all that money is going back in like a, a non-profit means non-profit like yeah, yeah it's yeah. got to go either back directly back into the company to scale and expand or like expand outreach to get more trails elsewhere or whatever yeah, exactly. it is more hiring more people and, it, and, and, and it it's totally yeah and like all our financials are you know you yeah. can go look at them yeah yeah i mean that's yeah it's part of the deal the requirement so but it's like to, it's i want to like as far as projects go like i kind of want to like focus on that so we can gain traction like you know we do a lot of private jobs actually which a lot of people don't know about like we do like probably six backyards a year like people with big small backyards trails pump tracks like whatever and all the profits from that carry into like buying bikes like free consulting like you know we went down to columbia for a week and like talked them through getting trails built and now they have mm -hmm. a bunch of trails built or like helping, you know, that's four hours of my time to help that kid in Phoenix or whatever. Sure. But it's like, we got to like kind of back that up just so people know that like we're actively trying to do that. Cause we do a lot of really cool shit, but it's like, it's tough to like, you know, for me, I'm like, Hey, we're doing, it's like, I hate that on Instagram and like, I don't have TikTok, but I'll watch it every once in a while where it's like, we're doing, we're helping all these people today. And it's like on film, it's like, dude, like get the fuck out of here. But like, well, I realize I'm like, damn, I think I got to do that. Like, yeah. I think I got to start doing that. Like, hey, we just bought all these bikes for everybody. It's yeah. fucking cool. You know? I, I mean, it, it helps sort of verify like, mm -hmm. like how those, that nonprofit money is being spent. Right. Yeah. So do you, do you, I, I guess this is a question for, for the structure, but do you, yeah, yeah. do you do fundraising with census rat trails or is it only, through like communities paying you or projects paying you how, um, what's what how are how are you guys generating income so to keep like any some of the stuff from some of the sales from census goes towards it like um if we're gonna do like you know i'm trying to think like if we're doing like an event or helping locally especially like we'll do sales that go towards that you know maybe pay rent for builders if like the the contract or the client doesn't have enough money to like pay our travel bills or something but, you know, I, I just like the fundraising thing is like really tough. I'm sure if we got in line with the right donors, we could have some guys that would love to be writing off, you know, some, some tax write-offs, like donating to a trail company. But we found that like the need for building is so big right now that we may as well just be pulling the profits from those private jobs and like, you know, like ski resorts, private clients and turning those into like you know, goodwill projects. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's just easier. It's easier to budget it. It's like, you know, cam doesn't make money off the, off the nonprofit. Like we pay our builders, we pay for our machines. And then it's just easier to roll that like right into that. Mm -hmm. So there's a couple of things, you know, I think the, for me right now, there's so many trails that exist, like getting kids on bikes and adults on bikes is number one priority. It's super easy. It's straightforward. It doesn't take much time. We find a good bike shop, buy some bikes. Um, most people are willing to help out with that. So that's been the easiest way to get people out. And then been hosting a bunch of trail days and stuff like that yeah. in Reno, which is like trail days are 
good to see how much work goes in the trails, but they're not always the most productive. But sure. just taking the lead on that and like showing up and explaining to a, a group of volunteers. But yeah, yeah, it's cool. It's we're learning still. Yeah. So nice. I think the consulting goes the longest way, to be honest. Like I think like as far as productivity goes, like showing up and selling a trail and explaining like jumps and safety and all that stuff to a city council is like the most productive thing we do like straight up because you know obviously if we build some trail and people get on it that's great but like if i can walk away from a meeting and have a city council member come up to me and be like oh thank you like i didn't realize that like a 15 foot jump can be safer than a 10 foot jump Mm -hmm. and that it should be professionally built then i know that something clicked and when that money comes up for the bit that guy's going to vote you know or that that woman's going to vote on that yeah yeah i mean it's it's so interesting because i think like in our world or in our heads like mountain biking is like it's everything right everything. We, we understand it all it it makes sense to us it's like oh yeah trails every town needs to have hundreds of miles of trails like why doesn't every town have but for like the average person that doesn't ride bikes or doesn't come from that sort of background it's really hard for them to wrap their head around like why do i need why do we need to invest you know 10 million dollars of city money into trail networks like yeah you know and so i think having the ebs of the world you know being able to sort of speak that language and sell it to a city council or whoever um to get it to get the those wheels turning is super important yeah and it's changing like there's a huge changing in the guard right now like you know guys like our age are stepping into those roles of authority you know it's like and we were the first generation to like grow up riding bikes like bmx skating like we understand the importance of it and even if like so it's like instead of like no no disrespect to like we had this generation before us that built all this amazing single track and got people out on bikes and stuff but they weren't talking to like you know their peers when they were going to these meetings and they a lot of them rarely went into like roles of government but like we have like four service managers that like grew up mountain biking, yeah. which is like, no, no, this awesome. is the first time that's ever happened because like a lot of the four service managers that were retiring, they, it, it's not their fault. It just didn't exist. Horseback riding and hiking was the majority, you know? And so now like we see these four service managers and these city planners like that are like, Oh, I bike every weekend. Oh, I grew up riding mountain bikes. I grew up racing bikes. I grew up skateboarding. Like, and it reflects because then you show up and they're like, no, no, we're down. We just need to like dial in the liability and the insurance on this. And like, it's a green light. So it's like, my job's getting easier every year, you yeah. know? And it's, and it's easy too to like show the success of Bellingham and Squamish and Bentonville and Burke and like all these and Duluth. And like, you know, there's no, it's no longer like, oh, well, Bellingham did it. Like you can do it here and wherever in the Midwest. It's now like, oh, you want to compare yourself to a Midwestern city? Like Duluth is investing $2 million in trail this year. Like, right what you guys got, you know? Yeah. That's so. huge. That's huge. And that, and honestly, like that, in my opinion is, is going to fuel, is just going to add fuel to the fire as far as just mountain biking in general goes, you yeah. know, like the fact that like where I grew up in Michigan, like there was, we didn't have public trails. Like, <laughs> like there was no such thing as a bike park. I mean, I guess there was uh, uh, Marquette mountain had a bike park, yeah. I think they even had a World Cup there at one point in And time. Monster Park. <laughs> yeah. But but down in <laughs> southwest Michigan there wasn't really a bike park, yeah. right? Um but now there is. It's in Kalamazoo up. there is a bike like a small bike park that's got like or not like lift assist or anything like that, but it's like a pedal like t- sort of like Galby but on a really small scale and dirt with jump flow parks. trails and tabletops and all of this stuff. It's and, so sick. And it's 
just and they're popping up everywhere. Else. Yeah, and the money in the Midwest is like it's if you want to make a bunch of money trail building, move to the Midwest. Like it's straight up. Like the preva- it's prevailing wage. It's busy as crap. There's bids. I get notifications all the time. It's just so far away. And like we're small. Like we're like had we have all these <laughs> like big dreams to be like oh we could have all these employees, but like we're sitting on three full time employees. It's like kind of nice, right? And like none of us are like you know we're not like oh we need to make as much money as possible it's like we can all pay ourselves if we lose one job we can all you know we can all eat we can all pay our rent and it's kind of like a nice place to be Mm -hmm. we don't need to be a massive company but there's like 50 60 person 100 person trail companies in the midwest that are wow crushing trail for like 13 to 15 bucks a foot like slaying trail it's crazy and some of them are booked for five years which is really cool because it's like you know, and it's like, and then they end that cycle and then they go back to what they first built and they maintain it. But it's the Midwest right now is like the heart of it. Like Duluth, Minnesota is so sick. I was so surprised when I showed up and rode there. It's so it's, it's cool to see that it's like, and it's just as good as it's better than most of California riding, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we could probably all, you could probably go anywhere and it's probably better than yeah. most of California. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, one thing I, I also wanted to talk about was yeah, yeah. tire fire. Tire fire. Tell me Speed the history. Okay, first of all, <laughs> you can pitch it. That could be one of the our one of our uh, advertisements. Yeah, episode. sponsor. Yeah. This episode is sponsored by Tire Fire. Perfect. So tell me what tell us tell the world what Tire Fire is and how it came about and how you acquired it. So, Tire Fire Speed Supply. We needed to learn how to run a business. So we bought a business from Greg Townsend and Dave Gormley, Alex J and I. No, it's just uh, my, I, I don't know if you know Greg Townsend works over at uh, Evil. He's one of our good friends and his best friend from growing up, Dave, started a Fender company a few years ago. And Alex and I, Alex J and I were like, we need to start a business. We need to start a business. And we're like, we have all these ideas. And we're just like, we ended up just teaming up with Dave and buying Greg out. And just uh, Greg still helps with design work on the, on the back and creative stuff. But we just needed a way to learn to run a business. Mm-hmm. Like it's just practice. Yeah. So it's like, we have an idea for a product. <clears throat> Let's do it. So it's like, we're making pants coming out with like a Carhartt style vest that should mm-hmm. be dropping in January. Cool. Um, doing some goggles. I just dropped Pock as a sponsor. And so we're just like moving on up of nice. one rule of thumb. I learned from Cam Zinc. If you can make more money doing it yourself, then you shouldn't be sponsored by yeah. it. <laughs> well, the other, I mean, that's kind of the mentality of a lot of stuff moving forward. Like mm-hmm. if you look at, you know, uh, Brett reader with title. Yeah, exactly. Dude is just like, you know what? I just, and why he's not? Killing it. Yeah. Why yeah. not just have my own component company? And I mean, they're making really cool, really cool yeah, shit. Yeah, it's cool, and it's and, and it's on brand with him, and he gets like not as cool me, as Tenet, but not as know. cool. It's not quite as cool. <laughs> no, kidding. it's not. It's not as cool. It's too. Uh, yeah, I don't like the white. Um, <laughs> uh, no, but it, but like our thought was like, okay, like if we have an idea for something, it'd be cool to like try and execute it. So yeah. it's like, you know, it's like really, there's we're never gonna make money off tire fire. I mean, maybe we will. But the goal is, is like my brother right now is having a, his name's Henry. So he's having Hank's bank slalom and he has a slalom event on his birthday every year down in Reno. And, uh, he built an illegal slalom track up in the Hills and it's fucking sick. I mean, it's like, I have yet to go, but he like hand builds it. So we gave him like 75 bucks cash to hand out like best crash, best corner, like all that stuff. Got him a ton of fat tire beer, like you know, and it's like we sent them vests and pants and all this stuff to like stoke everybody out, fenders to give away. Mm-hmm. And it's just like to support cool projects. Like mm-hmm. we supported uh, 
in the Hills gang, you know, mm-hmm. those kids mm-hmm. like the sickest. So it's like, we made them fenders so they could sell and like pay for their road trip. We gave them like a thousand bucks. It's just like all those like little deficits I've seen, like in the bike industry of like people who should be supported. And it's also like teaching them like the, in the Hills kids are like, they never got a check from somebody, but they had this grand vision to do this like sick road trip with all their homies. And so I was like, Oh, like give us a W nine and I'll send you a check. And you mm-hmm. know, and like, Oh, I need to see this. I need to see a pitch deck. And it wasn't like, I'm going to say no, whatever they send me, but yeah. I'm like, Hey, like send me this because this is what someone else is going to ask for. You know, like, Oh, you want to pitch this to YT? Like, cool. They're going to ask for pitch deck financials. Cause they're all like Talos age, right? Like 19, 20. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And Talos too. Like I took Talos out to breakfast and dial. I was like, dude, this is a pitch deck. Like, this is what you need to do to like, you know, cause it's, it's just like a good, good way of giving back. And it's like, we get to make camo hats and cool shit. Yeah. And, Custom fenders. We do custom fenders for Skeeta, New Belgium, Fat Tire, or uh, Philo, uh, a couple other companies. Are you making that stuff in Asia? No. Or where are you ma- where's in the USA, made? baby. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. Well, who's yeah. making those fenders? Uh, it's a plastic company out of Everett. Oh, cool. Yeah. They just raised their MOQ, so we'll see if we stick with them. But, <laughs> but it's just like, a, you know, it's like we're looking for like low cost, high margin stuff and, and just stuff that we can be creative with like i said yeah. i'm actually stoked about the goggles i found a goggle manufacturer that like makes sick goggles and uh yeah we'll sneak peek them here in the next month or so nice but like i was like i was amazed i was like man like because Pac was like i love their gear but like i kept asking for help from them for years and it's like you know when you're doing well you know it's like like working with you it's like I fucking love running tenant stuff. I mm-hmm. love like people always ask I about it. That. No, it's cool though. It's like, <laughs> it's one of the brands that I'm like, would never step away from just cause it's like, it's so sick and it's unique and it looks good. And it's just like something I'd buy, especially like, you know, you could run it no branded. You could run like these amazing raw parts. Like it's just sick. But there's like other companies that it's like, it's clearly like they're getting a lot more out of something like, you know, it's like, I have no expectations from Tenet except to just have badass parts. But like from like a company like Pac, I was like, man, like, can you help me with a flight? Can you help me with this? Like, cause everything that's like, get photos published in Freehub, get like a, a hundred thousand views on a video. And it's like, pop, 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 pop. And then I'm like, why shouldn't that say tire fire? You know? Yeah. <laughs> so that was like my mentality. Yeah. I was like, let's just dial in tire fire. Yeah. So I found a goggle manufacturer. Samples arrive next week and should be dropping those by early spring that's fun yeah it's it's just fun like that's the thing i mean i mean from one you know entrepreneur Entrepreneur to another to a a mediocre Uh, entrepreneur i i i totally see and understand the excitement and like the interest in in doing your own thing and it's really fun to learn yeah i mean for me myself like starting tenant I didn't pay myself for many years and this, this past year was my first time ever giving myself a paycheck, which is not enough money. <laughs> so, Trust me. I know, <laughs> yeah. but, uh, I know that works. Um, but, but I think it's kind of one of those things where it's like learning, like you said, like it's a good learning experience. And, and for me, I put a lot of water and weight into the success of this brand where if you can, if you can start something and it's sort of like, a side project that you're just sort of like you picking know, away at. yeah and playing like with it'll go and, dormant for two months sometimes yeah and, and, just, won't do anything. and just playing with it and like being like you know what? it's it's fun i want to learn how to how to like how to find a manufacturer i want to learn how to negotiate stuff like that you know like having something where you're like oh i've got a full-time job that i fully love but i want to like do this on the side as like a, a fun hobby a side yeah, hobby yeah. that hobby could you never know like get yeah to the and i think the product stuff is tough i think like i think the trouble we have with tire fire sometimes is like 
not enough direction. Cause it's like, you know, your goal is like, I want to make the baddest components I can yeah. like, made in the U S like, I want it to look good, like ride well, be durable, like have like cool people associated with it. And you're creating like also all the brand around it. But mm-hmm. for us, it's like, we have a brand and then we're like, let's do this, let's do this. So it's like, sometimes the scatter brain is tough, but like for us, like you're saying, it's just, it's just learning. You know, it's like my WhatsApp right now is like, I got people from Pakistan, Vietnam, like China. <laughs> you want to text somebody? I, I got every time zone, baby, yeah. you know, like, but it's, but it's fun, you know? And then mm-hmm. it's like, <clears throat> and like you're saying, like, Maybe one day, like, that's how all the subsistence videos are funded. You know, mm-hmm. when I'm 40 and, like, even more washed up than I am now and limping twice as hard, like, maybe all the subsistence videos are tire fire productions, yeah. you know? So that's, it's just, like, it's just messing around with that stuff. And yeah. it's it's just fun. Like, I, like maybe one day it's, like, talus is in between contracts with a sick clothing company and we could step in and be like, hey, man, we want to support you. Yeah. So it's, like, we got a French rider, Alexandra Ball, or Alex Valls, and then my brother Hank, and then the In the Hills kids were running our stuff. <clears throat> yeah, so we got we got a pretty solid group of riders. Yeah, which is pretty dialed. <laughs> That's pretty fun. Yeah, it's just uh, fun. Yeah, yeah. Beers uh, and camo. <laughs> I would, I would, um, I would say I would love to work with you, but I have, I have too much appreciation for Keeley and Groundkeeper. We respect I, that. I, I, I really we're trying to step away from fenders anyway. <laughs> yeah, get it, get more into some uh, more high high quality, bigger. I'll send you a pair of goggles as soon as we get. I will them. wear a tire fire goggle okay, all day that's long. That's all I need to know. Right here, working at, at the office, I'll wear a tire fire goggle. <laughs> uh, you should make sunglasses too, because I I, I lose a pair of sun. I I lose a pair of sunglasses pretty much every single like once a month. So. There is a great pair on Amazon that are like five bucks <laughs> that you should just get. I have like a stack of them in my garage. They fall off the shelf. Nice. Yeah. They, they pinch your temples a little bit too hard, but yeah. they're, uh, no, that's in the works as well. Yeah. So I have a one manufacturer I'm getting five samples from. And then on the other one, it's just fun to deal with that stuff. Cause you like realize how the world works. Also, it pisses me off because then I see the margins that some of these companies are making. Oh, I know. It's like goggles is a great example. I was like, what the fuck, man? Like, like all these brands. I'm like, these guys are this is highway robbery, yeah. man. Like, so it's kind of cool to like be our like, like even with our pant. It's like we we, we did a, a pant. You know, it's not a fox pant or anything, but it'll probably last just as long. Mm-hmm. But it's like you see the margin that they're running at it. It's so similar to it. We're like, why don't we just charge less? You know, it's yeah. like. Well, I mean, so the problem from, I mean, there's a lot of dynamics yeah. to it. it. The problem is as you scale a business, your overhead grows exponentially. Yeah. And so when you've got uh, X amount of employees and then you have all, if you, as you scale, the more product you have out in the marketplace, the more problems you have, whether it's yeah. like tear torn seams or something like that. Yeah, so, we already had that problem. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, so I think a lot of these companies are, you know, maybe the margins are really high, but their overhead and their cost of doing business yeah, and their is risk also is high too. really yeah, high. They have like designers and accountants and it's like, yeah. you know, all three of us just have ideas. None of us are good at anything. So. Yeah. And, and theoretically, as you grow, your cost per item usually should go down if you negotiate with your supplier. Oh, well. totally. But, and it's, and it's just, like I said, it's just fun. And it's like, you know, it's like if we can do it just to support cool stuff, we're yeah. down with it. You know, yeah. like I'd love to have like a team of like Groms that are getting paid to go to events and stuff like that and do some cool stuff. I think like a lot of surf brands have actually done that really well. And even Census, like looking up to Cam, like his the way he's grown his brand has been really cool. You know, I know. It's, it's actually pretty insane how like big Census is for just 
being a grip company. Just a grip company. And you it's know. and it's cool. They're made in the US and it's like I think I think he kinda nailed it like making different grips, like as far as like like almost like a use per grip, which mm-hmm. is cool. But just seeing that, it's like you see like they'll have an idea and just like throw it out there. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, oh let's make this T shirt. Let's make this like, you know, let's do a run of beanies like this. Like, oh this is in style. Like let's make a fat grip. Let's mm-hmm. make like the Emil grip is so sick. That slip on like mm-hmm. it was like something that's like, oh like let's take something that's very BMX apply it to mountain biking yeah you know and it's like there's just a lot of avenues you can go with that and it's just cool you have this like i i put that i put it in the category of like a surf brand like mm-hmm. you walk into like a ron john surf shop and buy a quicksilver shirt or billabong shirt and it's like it's like most people who are wearing that stuff don't have a billabong wetsuit you mm-hmm. know and aren't like surfing overhead waves but they kind of they want to be part of that you yeah. know and if you yeah. can kind of like create something like that you know like tire fire we have a bunch of snowboard buddies like i said from vermont those kids eat that shit up and it's sick. Cause like, that's who I want on it. I want like skaters and like, and like surfers and like snowboarders to think it's cool because as you know, as a biker, we've been the nerds of the action sports community for, Oh yeah. However, since big I started, time. yeah. Yeah. You know? big time. Yeah. And it's like, it's like, it's cool. It's just like, you know, going off on a tangent, but it's like going, seeing trails videos of like the most famous trails in the world and seeing guys on mountain bikes ride them now. You're like, what the fuck happened? Like, when did this get cool? Yeah. Or like, I know for like Johnny Salito's events, like Anthony Napolitan, Dennis Anderson wants yeah. to go down this yeah. year. And yeah. you're like, dude, like that's huge. Yeah. Like that's like the, for, to have like the sickest BMXer in the world, like validating mountain biking. And it's happening from every aspect. Christian Regal, like it's yeah. so sick. Yep. It's fine. Brad, Brad Sims. Sims, dude. The like, stuff Brad he's Sims doing is, is wild. Yeah. I will say some BMXer style doesn't transfer very well. Like mm-hmm. Hawker's my favorite BMXer. Mm-hmm. I saw a video of him on a, on a mountain bike and I was like, maybe you should just keep biking. Do you ever see Sergio Leos? Dude, he is the. I was, he was riding Adolf Silva's uh, jumps, and he was like, I mean, he's just yeah. too steezy. It's he's insane. Yeah, Sergio Leos, insane. The other one, uh, the, another uh, Tony Hamlin. Is, I don't think I know he's that a, guy. He's a dude from the Midwest that was like a ramp rider, then a street rider. Like, so he's ramp rider, insane ramp rider, and then he started like grinding big rails and things like that. But he's on a, he's riding mountain bikes now. He, I don't even like, he, he rides more mountain bikes. All of his social media is all mountain bike stuff, but he's doing like flares on a mountain bike, like, like a dirt bank to a tree. And he's like riding up the dirt bank off the tree and doing a flare (laughs) and landing back in the bank. It's it's just cool. (laughs) It's just cool to know like that they think we're cool. Which is funny. <laughs> the, the irony of it is that they're a bunch of adults riding 20 inch bikes, right? Yeah. But it's like, but it's just cool to see that. And so it's like, even I think in like BMX is one thing. I knew the BMXers would come around. They'd cave. I, I was one of those guys. I, I was like, it. mountain biking is so dumb. Yeah. They're With your nerdy. Tight ass jeans yeah. on it. Yeah. Yeah. No, like, oh man, you're mountain bikers and your spandex. Like, yeah. oh, you guys are such nerds. And you're like, oh shit, this is gnarly. But then on the flip side, to see the skate and snowboard world, like, step into the mountain bike stuff. Like, we work uh, down at Wendell's, like, milepost 35. And Bobby Meeks, like legendary street snowboarders, they're head of marketing. The dude has a mountain bike and he'll hit me up, be like, dude, this is the sickest shit ever. How did I not get into this? And then I went to a, a conference down in Tahoe for Effective Edge. They do like a terrain park auditing, but they, they're trying to get into the bike world a little bit more. So I like went down there, oblivious to the snowboard world. This is like painful for anybody who's a snowboard, but it's like 
Pat Moore, Pat Bridges, like Jeremy Jones, like the Urban Rider, like all the biggest names in like snowboarding and terrain park building. Dude, I didn't know, a, I didn't have a clue who these dudes were. And my job was to take a mountain biking on a trail we built one day. And like, I had no idea. I was like sitting there, like sitting next to Pat Bridges, like, and I'd be like, oh, what's your name? Like, what do you do for work? You know? And like, and then I looked up my, my roommate back here, Mike Scarfy was like, dude, I think I like saw you down at a conference. Like, do you know, even know who Pat Bridges and Pat Moore are? It's like, dude, I have no idea. Yeah. Pat Moore was like, um, uh, that's it. That's all like, dude, they're all those dudes. It's like yeah, Jeremy Travis Jones. Rice. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Jeremy. I mean, which Jeremy Jones the is urban, too. The, uh, urban. the urban one. Dude, yeah. So he was like, we built this trail on top that's like fucking sick jump line. Like got away with a lot for a forest service trail, like big hips and stuff like that. And I took all these guys down and they were all ripping. And he was just like in sweats, like, like, uh, you know, his like little snowboard kit, his little tiny beanie and stuff like that, like rolled up above the ears. But dude, he was like sessioning these jumps and killing it. And I didn't realize, first of all, he's not that old, but in the scheme of like hitting big jumps, he's pretty old dude. Mm -hmm. And I was like, so validating to be like, dude, one of the baddest urban snowboarders of all time is obsessed with mountain biking. Yeah. Like at that point I was like, Finally, like mountain biking is cool because dude, for so long, I can't even get my moto. I couldn't even get my moto friends to ride mountain bikes, like to cross train. Right. And then, so now to like have like the coolest dudes out there and the whole, all these Burton guys that we know from Vermont are all obsessed with mountain biking. And it's just, it's just cool to see it. You're like, yeah. finally, like we made it. So it's like long story, you know, long story that's still long, but like tire fire to see those guys like stoked on, I'm like sick. Like if we can bring like that skate snowboard energy into biking, then yeah. we can stop it from being like skiing. Like yeah. nerdy that's, ass real I mean, that's a, skiing. I, I take a ton of inspiration. I, I've talked multiple times about mm-hmm. it. I get a lot of inspiration from BMX skate snowboarding culture. Like yeah. the, 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 the arts with the music and things like that. I, I just want, I want that culture to be a part of like that mentality to be a part of. Yeah, it's, it's honestly more inclusive. You know, it's like, it's like with skating. Like people are like, how do we make our sport more like more inclusive? It's like, look at skating. It's yeah. probably the most inclusive besides soccer sport in the world because yeah. it's oh, accessible. Yeah. And like, like nobody judges you for anything because it's like not gear based. You can't even see the bike they're on, you know? But I mean, that's like when I connected with you, it's like we were riding the jumps up there that first day I met you, you know, up on Galby. And I was like, you could just tell, like you guys were all just session in the jump. Like you would show up to a skate park and session a yeah. quarter pipe. And I was like, I think I hit you up. I was like, Oh dude, I want some bars. Like, I, yeah. yeah, yeah. And that was it. I still have those bars. I still run them on my dirt jump. I know we're going to get, we got some, some new stuff in the works. <laughs> okay. Good, good. Sneak, sneak peek to everyone. Actually, I'm dun, not going to tell dun, anyone, dun. Yeah, but we, we got some new stuff in the works. So cool. we'll get you freshened up with some new bars. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, the back kind of back to tire fire, um, speed supply. What is what is the like? What's the name? Like the name? I'm, I assume you bought the brand from Greg, right? So Greg's Greg's the uh, the best best jaded designer I know because yeah. he knows what's cool long before everybody knows. So he was like he was on that flame kick. He just yeah. knew. Also, I don't know if it was intentional, but if you Google tire fire, there's like a pretty famous like pile of tires that it's on fire and like 
somewhere in Africa or the Middle East or something. Oh, it's, it's, it's in, yeah, it's in uh, um, Iraq, I think. Yeah, and so it's like, or well, Afghanistan. so if you put it on our name, like the first images that pop up are like, which is kind of sick. It's like, obviously, like, I'm an environmentalist through and through, don't get me wrong, but I will take great pride in knowing that if you Google our brand, that there's a pile of tires on fire in Iraq, <laughs> and that's the first image that pops up. Yeah. The I think the idea, or at least I think there's an opportunity there is like tire fire once you light it. Yeah. It never goes out. Oh yeah. Like I think like I'm not pro smoking cigs, but I'd be willing to like smoke some cigs for an ad campaign. If, we're, if, we're gonna... <laughs> if need be. <laughs> so yeah. maybe we will, we got a couple products coming out. Like, I think like, you know, maybe with the goggles or the vest, like we can do something with cigarettes. Candy cigarettes. Candy cigarettes. Yeah. Uh, we, I went bowling the other day and there was a, at the bowling alley here in Bellingham, they've got this case full of like old toys and stuff. It's a, lot of oh, i know uh, the case yeah also great fish sandwiches at that bowling alley oh i never had that <laughs> yeah, I go over the fish um but there's a, a a lot of big lebowski memorabilia and stuff in there but they had a pack of candy cigarettes and i was like i can't even believe that existed yeah they stopped making those 10 years ago <laughs> candy cigarettes it was like they were like cigarettes with little like everything that came in a pack and they were gum i think you like like sucked on them and they turned to gum in your mouth. I bought some of those in uh, Massachusetts this summer too. Oh, they still sell them. Yeah. Is that like one of those like classic boardwalk candy stores? And there's a company that makes that and they're, it's out still, of a, they're not, it up. they're, they're out not of Romania. banned. They're like out of Romania or somewhere in the Eastern block. So oh my God, yeah, it's pretty rogue, but I think it's like, that's also the thing. It's like, I'm okay to like break some rules with tire fire. I think that's mm-hmm. the idea. And like Dave and, and Che and, and, you know, Greg supporting it. Like we want like people to validate it. Sometimes you got to break the rules. Like, mm-hmm. you know, the cool kid in school wasn't like following all the rules, you know, yeah. he's smoking cigs in the bathroom, yeah. throwing rocks through the window. So it's like, how can we be that brand and not get in too much trouble? Yeah. We've been joking. We need to get canceled to like boost some sales, <laughs> but oh, none of us actually want to get canceled. <laughs> yeah. I think the, I think the, the approach that I take is like, sort of tapping into the the punk rock and metal sort of attitude like where it's inclusive to all groups but it's like fuck you it's like like, fuck the man yeah fuck the man yeah exactly Exactly. and i think i think that's exactly it it's like i like biking is my interpretation of it it's like i've known it's been cool for so long but it's like there's so many aspects to biking that it's like dude we don't need to do this like it's bad for our image and i just don't want biking like skiing was the coolest sport ever you know, and mm-hmm. it's turned into this real estate game. This it's and it sucks. Like skiing, there's still good media coming out. There's so many people pushing it, and it's the you know, it's no disrespect to the athletes and everybody else doing that, but like unfortunately, it's like clearly gone over the, the hill, and mm-hmm. it's like going downhill, and it's like these resorts can't recover. These small resorts are gone. Like you know, growing up back east, and I'm sure in the Midwest, it's like you ski because that's just what you do in the winter. You know, yeah. it's like you go after work, no matter what you make for money, everybody yeah. went skiing, night skiing, doesn't matter what your gear is. And now it's like a fashion show whenever you go to the mountain, you know, and it just sucks. So it's like, how can we, and biking, it's just inherently 10 years behind skiing all the time. Like I don't want it to become skiing because it's like, then that gives an expiration date to biking. But if like, we can have that aspect, of like the, in the Hills kids and like khakis and like cut off shorts, like chugging beers, doing 50 foot flat spins in the desert and still have like the baddest dudes like crushing XC rides and like Hannah riding the most rogue shit in the woods and building the gnarliest stuff. Like we can have all that and not like get pigeonholed in this like real estate game that is skiing. I think there will always be, there's going to be different 
po- like pockets of mountain biking. Mm-hmm. And they're just going to become more and more so. Like, there's going to be the dentist, like, I need to have the most expensive That's bicycle. That's how we get paid. <laughs> I need to have the most expensive bicycle I could possibly have, right? Yeah. And and they have a snooty attitude towards, like, you know, it, it's sort of that roadie mentality yeah. of, like, oh, my bike's better than that guy's bike, you know, at the trailhead or some shit. But there will always be another, like, fringe group within mountain biking that is sort of, like, you know what? I like riding bikes and I like slapping corners and blowing up berms and, and riding old ass bikes. Yeah. And, and like, I don't care what anyone thinks of me. You know, I think that attitude will exist. But, you know, I think there's even in, even in like skateboarding, snowboarding, BMX, there's different elements. There's like the contest, like tr- I'm a, I'm obsessed with tricks, you know, like I need yeah. to learn and, and, and do as many bar spins as I possibly can. Right. But then there's also like, the dudes in the woods that are stacking lips and, and just blasting shit. jumps. And they're just like, totally. you know, like I'm slamming upset. beers and, and yeah. not caring about anything that's happening in BMX. Right. Yeah. Like, like that genre, that culture will exist in mountain biking. I think forever. Yeah. It just, where it gets, where, how big it is and where it lies. You just don't want of, the top end of the sport to kill the sport. Yeah, and I, I don't know if it ever will. I mean, in, in skiing, like, is skiing dead? No. No, it's not dead. It's just, like, it just it just pains me to, like, sometimes show up at a resort and see, like, you know, like, I, and maybe it was just, like, my, like, growing up watching NAR and, like, watching, like, Doug Coombs and, like, all these dudes, like, living in shacks with all their buddies, like, skiing every day and, like, this hard, you know, it just the industry is resistant to that now because they're so focused on selling condos and selling lift tickets and stuff like that, which is, you know, it's all business, but it's like, you know, like Vail, it's like, they've done so much for skiing that we have to give them credit for. Like we can't be like Vail sucks fully because they make skiing more affordable on their passes and stuff like that. But on the flip side, they're not a ski brand. They're selling their hotel brand. Yeah. You know, they're a restaurant company. Like, and so as long as we can kind of prevent that, give that buffer to biking. Okay. I don't mean to cut no, you no, off. No, no, no. I want to. I want to add something to <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, okay. Add it. Here's a, here's a perspective, a thought that I'm I'm ha- I just that just kind of popped in my head. So <laughs> skiing specifically, right? Yeah. The barrier of entry is very high. It's like the cost of skis and year to year, year to year. It just yeah. it's always it's a continued expense. You know, I paid a thousand dollars for a ski <laughs> a, a, a Mount Baker Sign of the season times. pass. And that is insane <laughs> to me. Uh, it's like pain. I don't, I hate thinking about it. It's really, 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 really tough to think about. But regardless, the cost of getting in to, to participate in skiing is very high. If you are going out in ski touring and whatnot, the cost can be lower, right? You buy the gear and you're, you're, it's you, that gear should last you several years and you can use it and, and get out a lot. But it takes a very specific person to be like, okay, I'm going to put my head down and grind and to time. the top of the mountain, yeah, yeah. right? And do it three times and then go home. But so I, I'm willing to say, I don't think mountain bike, mountain biking will ever get to the point of skiing because yes, the cost of getting your bike up front is very high, but, but there is a lot of access I mean, and convenience. Yeah. As, as trail networks grow, and as more mountain biking becomes accessible in, in communities across uh, gl- the world, you know, as it grows globally, yeah. I think 
that barrier, hopefully the barrier will continue, will come down, you know, I mean, and, and there's a lot of brands doing cool shit. Like yeah. there's like Marin has awesome cheap bikes, you know, it's like specialized people give specialized a hard time. They're the coolest brand. Like as far as like, no, I think they're doing great. I mean, that, the, the sickest sub $3,000 bike. On is the it the, the, the status? Not, the status. Yeah. That is the coolest shit that's happening bike. Yeah. you know, cause it's like, and that's the thing. Like, I agree. Like, I think that, I think there's a lot of things in our favor with biking too. I just like tend to, like, I'm just so pissed off at skiing sometimes <laughs> that it's like, I'm like, please like do everything we can to not have to have this happen. But yeah, I agree. Like, it's like, you know, even here, 90,000 people or 8,000 people or whoever lives in Bellingham, there's not a single house in the city limits that you couldn't ride to the trails to. You mm-hmm. don't even need a car. Yeah. You know? So as long as like people are supporting that grassroots side of it, then we'll be totally fine. And yeah. you're not paying every time you go to Gallup. No. You're not seeing money fly out of your pocket when you go after like, you know, even today I want a little gravel ride, but it's like, I didn't like spend money to do that. It was right. the money you spent three years ago on the gravel bike, yeah. you know? And it's, so it's a little more justifiable, but if we can bring that upfront cost down a little bit, it'd be yeah. pretty rad. Yeah. And, and for me personally, like, it's difficult. You got to toy a fine line. Cause at this point right now with my brand specifically, and yeah. maybe just manufacturing in general, like it's really tough to make affordable products in America. I would oh love God, yeah. to, to change that. You know, my hope is that that will change with time. Um, you know, as more production comes back, but I think that, you know, domestically it comes back domestically and whatnot. But, but I think that like, you know, in general, you know, uh, the products that we produce, you know, the occult is a very affordable, is, is a somewhat affordable pedal in the grand scheme of things. We're not making, 100%. I'm, we're not making like the $50 plastic pedal, you know, but I don't know. It's, it, there's, there's this weird, I don't really want, I don't know if I, it, it's so hard for me as a, as the, as an owner of a company to be like, okay, well, are we going to make the like really cheap products in source them from areas of the country that are no no you gotta make it good right make it good and so like you know i want to see that barrier come down and i think with time it will um you know but it is these bike brands like specialized and whatnot that are making products that are a lot easier for people to get their hands on you know and my my hope and they know what they're doing in taiwan it's like i i'm all for u.s manufacturing but like people forget that they're like it needs to be u.s made but it's like they know like those bikes coming out of there, the best bikes in the world are coming out of like out of Asia. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And those factories like create incredible product. And that's, I think that's just as big of an issue as cost is like, not only is it cost, but it's like quality. It's like, you can't, it's hard to beat that. So it's like, you know, I ride for Banshee and they make the sickest bikes ever. They're made in Taiwan. Those bikes are bomb, bomb. Well, so the reason for that specifically is because at one point in time, People were making bikes in America. Mm-hmm. You know, there are a lot of bike, a lot of brands were making products here. And then when uh, everything, you know, globalization happened and everything shifted to Asia, we sort of just pa- as a as a as a country, as you know, America just sort of passed manufacturing onto these guys. And then they had their industrial revolution, and then they mastered it. They're so good. And we <laughs> sat idly and didn't master it you know like like in taiwan a lot of high quality products come out of taiwan because they know how to produce really good bike parts fast yeah they've 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 dialed it in and and that's the other thing is so where i where where i make shit shit here in in the united states in bellingham 
at True Life, yep. they're not a bicycle manufacturer. They are aerospace and medical. They make that's how you want doing it. NASA, baby. <laughs> they're really, they're really, really, really good at making high quality, high precision parts. I act, we had to like get them to unlearn some of that like Boeing, SpaceX like <laughs> mentality. Calm because, down your specs, man. <laughs> because because it was they were approaching it like like oh well you know your tolerances are like are too loose and it's like we have somewhat tight tolerances in the grand in the world of mountain biking (laughs) but you know in taiwan they've mastered it they know exactly like oh we can produce if we if we machine it this way or that way or we fixture it this way or that way we can produce stuff a lot more quickly right and so because of that you know they they've let it for so long that that's that's why they're able to produce they could produce probably 10 stems for every one that's produced here in, the, in America and it's just because they they've got it so dialed over there it's you cool know. to see. No, I, I mean, I'm all for it. I want man, U.S. manufacturing, but it's like, you know, live in a global Yeah, and I think, like, like you know, for me personally, you know, bringing it back here and then trying trying to be, trying to, to, to take that mentality of, like, okay, what they're doing or what they have done in Taiwan, how can we do that here, right? Yeah. You know, a manufacturer in Taiwan is, a like, the pedal manufacturer that makes the, the occult. They are a pedal manufacturer. That's all they make. They only make pedals. So if you only make pedals for 20 years, you're going to learn you're how to make. Really good you're going to be pedals. really good at making pedals. If you focus on how on manufacturing bicycle parts, you can really, really start to dial it in and start cutting, shaving off time and being able to like figure out tricks of the trade to be yeah. able to do it uh, at more effectively and more efficiently. And there are other brands who are already way ahead of us with that you know that like wolf tooth and i9 and chris king and like all these other manufacturers here you know in the u.s and my goal personally is to one day be like that you know and be be able to to get to that point where we're making stuff is like just have one one question then you can leave us hanging are you ever going to make a tenant bmx frame I, I, so I never, <laughs> I never say never. I never say never. Yeah. Um, just make like five I don't, of them. I, it's not in the, it's not in the, it's not in the 10 year plan, but, uh, I think 15 year old Ty would be pissed at that answer. Yeah, probably. <laughs> um, I mean, I, 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 I'm not, a, I'm not, I'm never against any sort of, uh, I'm never going to, I'm never going to cool not like small do anything. runs of like stuff like that, but yeah. it's, that's like not really that. I mean, if you were to like, uh, talk to the guys at evil, I don't know, I don't know, Kevin or Kevin Walsh or yeah. any of those guys like, and say like, Oh, are you guys ever, you know, 10 years ago? Like, Oh, would you guys make a snowboard? Yeah. Or a gravel. They'd probably bike. be like, what? We're never making a snowboard, but they made a snowboard at one point. Yeah. They partnered with LibTech and made I know, a I saw snowboard. That. Or like a gravel bike. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you guys ever make a yeah. gravel, no, gravel like, bike? Yeah. That's probably their number one selling bike. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. You know, it's that's kind of one of those things. I, I kind of like to leave the brand a little bit of an op- like uh, an open book to 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 an extent, so that you know the opportunity to do something cool arises. I don't know. Maybe I, maybe we sponsor a BMXer and they're like, oh, we want to make a custom frame or some sort of BMX inspired product. Yeah, yeah why not? The frame stuff would be pretty damn tough, but it'd be it'd be cool. Back yeah. to the roots. Yeah. You got to do a tribute tribute to middle school tie. That's what I was thinking. I'm like, 
would middle school Cody be pissed if I wasn't doing this? Whenever I get asked to do something, I'm on the fence. Be like, you know, it's like get invited on a trip or like to do, do this build or like even pay for something. I'm like, what would middle school Cody think? Yeah. Would he be pissed that I'm saying no? Because then I should probably do it. I know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I was a pretty um, jaded BMXer back in my days, and I I would talk so much shit on mountain biking. And if I were to look at myself now, back then, I probably would be like, what the fuck did... What, who is this guy? <laughs> you know? But you did it, and yeah. it's cool. Yeah. Love the brand. It's ah, been thank sick. You. I've been thank like... You. Yeah, it's been, it's been cool. And I, I think like... Uh, the positive feedback I get on the stuff, like everywhere I go is like pretty rad because it's unique enough. Like you can, you can spot it, but it's not like so loud that it's obnoxious. Yeah. You know, like, no, I, that's, that's intentional. I yeah, don't want to totally. be obnoxious. And you can tell it's intentional. Like people yeah. see it. It's like, it's high quality. It stands out, but it's like, it's not like, look at me. I'm like bright yellow. You can see me from yeah, a yeah. press center, but it's like, it's very noticeable. And I think like people are like, no, it's, you know, it's, it's definitely it's really uh, cool. for a specific person like yeah. like the brand is, the the brand is more directed towards somebody who appreciates everything that the brand is right yeah. like if you're somebody and i get a lot of people saying oh are you ever gonna make orange parts you're gonna make red parts you know anno red yeah. bright i want bright pink or whatever and i'm like there's uh, brands for that baby uh, yeah i'm like <laughs> those products are already out there yeah. you can go support a myriad of other rider owned brands and, <laughs> and they're doing it really good, but not, for, not, I'm not really feeling that but at this juncture, not for us. Maybe when everybody moves away from those bright colors, will be the brand that does the bright color. Dude, sneak go right against, go against the grain at all times. No, last time I was in here, you, you sneak, uh, you gave me a little sneak peek of some of the stuff that you have in the works. And I'm super excited for it. So yeah. it'll so, all come stoked out. Stoked to keep rocking for it, rocking it. So, yeah. well, Cody, uh, it's been great having you on. Yeah. Um, do you have any anything else you want to tell the world? You want to anything you want to say? Any got, cool projects? Anything? I got nothing. No. Support Tire Fire. We got some cool stuff coming out. Yeah. Um, Check out Tire Fire. Speed uh, we'll, Supply. We'll throw it. We'll throw. <laughs> I love that Speed Supply. <laughs> we'll throw that. Uh, we'll throw that on the description so you guys can go check out the website. Yeah, we'll put that in the description. Um, yeah. No, just want to keep building trails and making cool videos and hanging out and. Yeah, nice. trying to get into sports that aren't biking, so I'm not a one-trick pony. Yeah, um, that's that's on the list. So. We actually got to. I got to get you um, up to Galby to check out the Tenet Trail. Oh yeah, somebody somebody pushed through and opened it. Um, we did a tick, so they got logged, and yep. Janicky just straight up did not try to preserve the trail at all. There was just I got to stop. There was like feet uh, of slash down where oh, the trail it's not just went. logs down it's like it was slash yeah, yeah, it was yeah. like deep slash Should we get an excavator up there for a day uh it's already been so, so we moved a bunch of slash and cut cut a bunch of stuff and got it somewhat opened up and then uh summer hit and then we just like did, didn't dig because yep. it was just too dry and hot and so um but since then somebody has opened it up eb eb hit me up and he was like hey what's the status of the trail and i was like uh, of prison love and i was like oh uh i we kind of left it half done but i i still got to get it opened again and and then he texted me back he's like oh actually it's open i'm like wait what <laughs> trail fairies there i mean there's trail fairies yeah Exist. Good on them. Yeah. Thank you, no, if whoever you help, was out there digging. If That's you need awesome. Help, I'm here. I'm here to dig whenever. Rad Trails, yeah. the world's local builder. 
<laughs> that, there you go. Census Rancho, the world's, the world's local, local nonprofit. <laughs> but if you do actually need any building, though, let me know. Yeah. I'll no, we got a, we got we got a lot of projects that we got to get going. Let's do um, it. Let's get that mulch shop built. <gasps> no, don't even talk about that. It's a controversy. <laughs> Damn it! Mention, don't, I, we're trying to dust that under the rug. The one thing we need in this town besides a slalom track. Hint, hint. Yeah. No, I know. Well, the problem is, <laughs> is that it's 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 we started building it in a really poor spot. It needs to move somewhere else. To okay. be honest, that's, 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 where, that's what needs that. We need to find a backyard for it. That's the best spot for it. <laughs> um, no, but that that is one thing. But uh, Blue Steel, or not Blue Steel, sorry, uh, Cedar Dust, the pro line, is recently something that... Recently adopted by Tenant. Well, Unofficially, not recently. No, <laughs> no. I don't want to say anything. Sky was like, yeah, I don't know. We're, we're kind of really focusing okay. on Blue Steel. So I don't know if that's actually going to happen or not. But regardless, you know, having helped, you know, originally build that, I want to do a dig day on it, even though it's a transition trail. I don't even care. I'm just going to do like a tenant. Yeah. Maybe transition and tenant come together and we throw a dig day and bring beer and food and everything up there and everyone can spend a day digging. But we had been talking a lot about putting a machine up there and just like fully redoing the upper section. And it's already cleared. Let's do it. I'm yeah. down. I'll run. The, I'll run that machine all day. You know, if I'm in town. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which is rare. I feel like that's our biggest issue. It's like, oh, are you down to this, down to this, and it's like, well, I'm out of town, but I'm here. Then it's like the I dates know. are to keep working. But hit me up. Yeah. Um, maybe one day I'll even have our Rat Trails excavator up here for a couple months. That'd be sick. Yeah. That'd be awesome. So. All right. Cool, Cody. Thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, I don't know how to end this. I guess, Cody. Thank you for coming onto the show. And uh, we'll catch you guys next time. I appreciate it. Thank you. I also do Cheers. want to say one more thank you oh. to Dave Watson because I bought my first uh, free ride mountain bike because he jumped it. That was a poster in my local shop growing up. So Okay, hold on one second. We're going to undo our, <laughs> our end there. So I got this. At, that was That's a Scott Markowitz photo. Yeah. And I was in Whistler doing Crankworks, and Bike Mag did a – uh, photo auction, something or other event at the fire rock tavern. It's in the base of one of the hotels. Oh, okay. And I was like, Oh my God, that photo is so sick. Cause he's, I don't think this camera, it's probably out of focus, but it's a photo of Dave Watson jumping the tour, jumping to, France. The tour to France. 2003. 2003. He broke his leg. I don't know if you know that he crashed and when he, he tried landed. to run away. <laughs> With a broken leg. And that, that was the sequence of that was in Overlook Mountain Bikes when I walked in there at 12 years old. I bought a Kona because of it. And yeah, that's probably the reason I quit racing. Yeah. <laughs> Dog off cliffs. Yeah. So, so yeah, shout out to Dave Watson. Back to that story though. <laughs> I bought this. This was for auction. And I was like, oh man, I'm going to bid on it. So I bid on it because I just thought it was the sickest photo. I just thought it was really funny. And uh, I won. And so I won the auction. I get the photo. I'm holding it. I go over and Eric Porter is a good friend of mine and he's, he's hanging out, sitting on a bench with this older gentleman. And I'm like, Oh dude, Eric, look at this fucking sick photo I got. And, uh, and next to him, the guy sitting next to Eric, he's like, Oh yeah, that's, uh, that's, uh, Scott Markowitz. This guy right here. That's his photo. No way. And I was like, what? And Scott was like, yep, 
I shot that. And it was Scott Markowitz sitting next to Eric. And I was like, holy shit, it's so cool. That's I want, so I didn't have a marker. And I was like, oh, you should sign it. It'd be super cool. But he has like the most covers of any photographer in, in action sports. That's a defining photo right yeah. there for the yeah. sport of mountain biking. Yeah. There's very few people that would go as large as that even today. So yeah, we'll it's end, pretty we'll savage. End on that. <laughs> <laughs> Big <All> airs. Right. <laughs> All right, cool. Well, everyone, uh, thanks a lot for tuning in, and uh, we'll catch you next time. See ya.